This episode is brought to you by What's the Big Idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. By yours truly, Jaime Cabrera. Pick it up on Amazon and now available on Audible. If you've always wanted to know what it takes to be a commercial director, you need to check out commercialdirectingfilmschool.com. I'm signed up for the Filmmaker Bundle, which includes the Masterclass, the Online Shadow, and the Case Study Masterclass. It's got 100% five-star reviews, and it also includes a 30-minute call with the master himself, my friend Jordan Brady, who's directed more than 1,300 commercials for top brands. And right now, exclusively for my listeners, use the code BIGIDEA, one word, to get a whopping $100 off either the Masterclass or the Shadow Course. Again, the code BIGIDEA, one word, for $100 off. Go to commercialdirectingfilmschool.com and get started today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game by learning from the world's best. This is your podcast, and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Hey, listen, if you are one of those uh, aspiring creative directors, I want to encourage you to check out my website. It's JaimeCabrera.com. You can find links to all the episodes, uh, information about my book, but perhaps most importantly, you can sign up for one-on-one coaching with me. So check that out. Set up a 20-minute complimentary consultation call to see what we can work on, see if it's right for you. Uh, and see if we can't get you to that next level. All right. So my guest today is Aaron North, who was described as a marketing genius by the master marketing genius, Ryan Reynolds, for his work as CMO of Mint Mobile. And after our conversation, I would have to second Ryan's assessment. Aaron is here to give us a sneak peek at the multi-agency strategy and workflow that he's perfected to create Mint Mobile's amazing work. So without further ado, let's get into it with Aaron North. Aaron North, how are you, buddy? Hi, Jaime. I'm doing very well. How are you today? I'm great. I'm excited to chat with you. It's been a long time in the making. I mean, I think we... We spoke a, a couple of months ago, and we've just uh, you, you're busy. I've been busy, but I'm so excited that we finally uh, got it together. Yeah, a couple things have been cooking the last two months. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> yeah, you you you've been you've been uh, busy. And, and first, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just start off the show by embarrassing you a little bit, maybe. Uh, but it was so cool. Several months ago, um, uh, I guess is it fair to call him your boss? Is he your boss? Uh. He's an owner, Your client, so, owner, client. Yeah, okay, he's the an owner of the company, so technically <clears throat> my boss. Yes, yeah. So Ryan Reynolds, everybody, called Aaron North on national TV a marketing genius. <laughs> uh, how uh, how has your life changed after that? I know you. I know you took it with the, uh, you know, but it, that's pretty cool to have Ryan Reynolds, who arguably is becoming, you know, one of the biggest voices in our in our industry call you a genius that's that's no small thing yeah well um we work in a very fun company and of course uh my team the leadership team quickly had some <laughs> swag made for me to have my quote-unquote genius hat on um but beyond this i mean look it was it was insane right like he was on mad money with kramer and the ceo of t-mobile and to hear my name and genius together like i was just sort of floored and shocked and it was pretty neat because we all heard it together at the company when they replayed uh the airing and everybody started cheering and i'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh like you know you sort of like not embarrassed but like surprised yeah like like happy but also like you know it's it's a full team effort here and i love to shout out that the team is doing Tons of great work, but I get the fortunate benefit being the person who gets to talk about that work. And, you know, I love to shed a light on them, but it is really a function of 
this group we've built and this team we've built. And I'm not just talking about the marketing team. It's it's the organization is really, really right. special. Um, we're doing things that, quite frankly, nobody's ever done before. We're pioneering the space. We're doing really smart innovation. And yeah, to hear him say that, like, it's sort of insane. Um, but yeah, it was it was very cool. It you know, it's what we call a refrigerator moment. You know, if you, in the old days you would print it and stick it with a magnet on the fridge. So I made sure that like right away I called my wife and was like, turn on the TV. You're not going to believe this. And we all got a kick out of it. So it was fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on that. And congratulations. I was just, you know, doing my final little prep work here and I saw that uh, the elf spot that you guys just did won best of the week from the drum apparently it's a trilogy i've seen the first two so congratulations on that too those are those are really funny i mean everything that you guys are doing is just so clever and fresh and and you know to to sound corny very minty right it's very fresh and 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 fun and exciting it's funny you say that because i think what you've keyed in on right away is that we have a unique tone of voice right and we're working with that tone of voice and the neat thing about alf Look, besides the fact that we get to do a spot with Alf, which is just as a child of the 90s, you know, like that's cool. But the reality is, is we've got a team over at Maximum Effort with Ryan as the owner and George Dewey running the company who we work with on a daily basis. And they know our business, right? They right. understand the business objective, the challenges, the strategies, like they know exactly what we're doing because they're very involved in the business. And what they're able to do and bring to us are concepts, ads, you know, ideas that merge both commerce and performance with uh, creativity and fun. And that that's sort of like the holy grail, right? Like that's what everybody wants from their agency partners and yep. their creative thinkers is really ingenious solutions to business challenges and awareness is always a big challenge for young brands it's something we're constantly pushing on because awareness is an indicator you know of the traditional purchase funnel and we can put more people into that funnel the more people who are aware of us and right. doing things that are just so unique and special you get sort of that organic virility in it because everybody wants to talk about wait alpha's back and yeah. alpha's in an ad with mint mobile i'm like yes yes and yes and then the spots are just fun. Like the spots are yeah. hilarious. Yeah, there's that that whole also self-referential quality to it that just kind of are kind of a wink and a nod to like, hey, we we know we're marketing to you, but we're going to at least entertain you, right? We're going to do things that are that are fun. So I love that as well, right? Yes, we are acutely aware that people in the marketplace know what an ad is, right? Like you cannot confuse anyone and it's just why try embrace the fact that this is an ad unit have fun with it but of course deliver the commercial message so that way the ad has efficacy and that's a big thing right. but i would also throw in there that you know one of the things we talk about a lot at our company is what is the objective of this thing because you I think a lot of marketers miss the mark in thinking that like, I'm going to run a TV ad and get sales. Like there's a pretty big separation between running a television ad and closing a sale. So when right. we look at ad units or particular pieces of creative, we clearly define what is the objective. And in this instance, this is a brand objective. So we know we want people to sort of like learn about Mint Mobile, understand that it's a wireless carrier, you know, and not much heavy lifting beyond that because it's an initial interest piece, right? Like we want people to at least give us a thought or a consideration. We include some of our key brand attributes, our low price of $15 a month, things like that. So people know why they should look at us, but it's not a hard hitting ad where we're like, and buy now, scan the QR code on the screen. And I think right. it's important if you know that, like in this particular instance, we're going to have more latitude for fun and humor and enjoyment than we are sort of like harder hitting, maybe search ads that you would run on Google. Right. And so, you know, people watching the show may be thinking, well, you know, Aaron's on today, but he's he's CMO. You know, what what's the story there? So the reason why you why I, I reached out to you is because obviously you're doing great things, but you have you're kind of in a unique position because you have. You oversee, if I remember correctly, an internal creative team 
there at Mint, but then you're also working with Ryan's agency, Maximum Effort. And that's kind of where we started talking. I'm like, well, that's cool because obviously something's working here, right? And and as we were talking about earlier, sometimes there can be a little bit of a of a of a tension when there's uh, you know, different agencies that are that are servicing the same client, much less one that is actually part of the client, right? In in your situation, so that's kind of what I would love for you to tell us uh, about today. You are we already know you're a marketing genius, but I would love to know how you kind of <laughs> see how you fit into the creative, you know, part of of this. If that makes any sense, yeah, I think. Before we start, how do we I, get to an elf ad? That's what I want to know, really. How do we get to an elf ad? Because I totally. think that's pretty clever. Um, well, like, b- before we dive into that, I think it's important for folks to understand that, like, I, I love the creative side of the business. Um, yeah, I spent I can tell. over a decade in agency, and in an agency, your output is creative, right? Like, that is the product you're selling or the service you're selling. So if you don't, if you're not willing to embrace, embrace creativity and creative solutions and the creative team, it, it, it's a tough it's a tough road, right? Like you're going to have challenges because many times, look, our product is colorless, odorless, tasteless. It you you can't see it, like it it doesn't exist except you know your phone works. So right, you've got to come up with really neat ways to sort of like sell your proposition to folks. Otherwise you're in trouble. So embracing creativity and the creative team is where we start number one. But when we started or when I joined this company just over seven years ago now, um, there were just a few creatives in house and a small marketing team. And I was tasked with building this into a big, healthy marketing maybe not marketing driven org that sort of happened, but build a robust marketing team. Um, along the way, we built Mint Mobile on the backbone of marketing, right? It's a media driven brand. It's a creative driven brand. So as we grew the company and grew our teams, we actually built a full service agency in house. So that agency is called Full Bars. And of course, you know, I mean, look, yeah. like, like, well, I could, I could turn my camera a little bit to the in-house bar, right to my right, uh, camera yeah. right, if you're a camera left, if you will. Um, but yeah, so we were building that, uh, that capability in-house where we've got, of course, a creative director, uh, writers, art directors, animators, video production, uh, you know, uh, app design, e-coms, like we do it all in-house. Yeah. But when we brought Ryan on board, which is incredible to even say, you know, like we have Ryan Reynolds as an owner and we have George Dewey, who is the president of Maximum Effort, like George is or was a CD, right? So he was at McCann and he's brilliant. The two of them are brilliant. And what we've really done is we've created this, this really neat balanced ecosystem It's not balanced, it's imbalanced, I'm lying. But like, it is a healthy imbalance and we make it work. And what I mean by that is the the team we have in-house is probably delivering, you know, the bulk volume of all the work we do as an organization. That said, some of the highest visibility work we do is with maximum effort because it's typically Ryan driven. And it's not exclusively Ryan, like ALF, is not Ryan. Ryan is not in that ad, but we're leveraging sort of like the maximum effort, effort broader platform and the broader opportunity yeah. there with Fubo and what they're doing. So what ends up happening is we've got this neat dynamic where our in-house team is coming up with fantastic ideas, right? Like they could be Ryan driven. They could not be Ryan driven. And I, I push them all and hopefully inspire them all to want to create uniquely mint opportunities. And I know this will probably air by the time this event happens, so I'm happy to share it with everyone, is that we're sponsoring the Iowa State Fair. And you're like, wait, you're doing what? Well, the Iowa State Fair has a husband calling contest where <laughs> where you know wives come up, get on a microphone yeah. and start screaming for their husbands. Like if you were calling them in for dinner or something like that. Well, my team in house found this and they were like, we have to do this. And sponsorship is not something Mint Mobile does. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be our first sponsorship. I love it. And our our big contribution to the program is that we are 
increasing the prize pool from five dollars to fifteen dollars you know because that's our one of our core right. equities is a fifteen dollar price point but that's an idea that's generated completely in-house we will do an on-site execution that will go to social and that will be something that we produce exclusive of ryan now they know we're doing it right because he's a partner in the business and i want them to know what we're doing if they amplify it awesome if they don't it's still a brand win now at the same time they've come up with ideas that aren't ryan driven that impact our business i don't know if you remember do you know who bobby bonilla is the old mets baseball player yeah the greatest contract ever written in the history of baseball is he the one that gets paid every year even though he's been like retired for like 10 years or something Every July 1st, he gets like yeah. $1.17 million because he deferred his current contract into like a 25-year annuity, a 20-year annuity. So Mint doesn't have contracts. Maximum Effort and George and Ryan came to me and said, we've got this idea. We want to take advantage of Bobby Bonilla Day. What we want to do is can you guys create a 20-year phone plan? And I'm like... This is a rad idea. Like, I love this idea so much. So we went to our internal teams and this is like the engineering teams and the e-commerce teams and this and that. And I'm like, can we build a 20 year program? And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, let me, let me tell you the idea. So, so, you know, selling in the idea, they're all getting excited and they're like, yes, we love this. We will 100% create the 25 year plan. And we did, you know, so that's, those are instances or examples where we're coming up with ideas that are non-Ryan, they're coming up with ideas that are non-Ryan, and then that same freedom extends to sort of Ryan-driven ideas where, of course, maximum effort is producing the bulk of those, and you know there's tons of amazing stuff, but Mint Mobile is, I think, the only phone company, the wireless company, that gives out a holiday card. So every yeah. year we send to all of our customers, an analog, old-fashioned, five-by-seven holiday card. Um, every year they get sort of more interesting. And a couple of years ago, my team had this idea called Ryan on an Island. So it's counter to Elf on a Shelf or something like that. We created a little paper cutout with Ryan's image on it. And he was on a mini island and you could stand him up anywhere in your house. And, you know, that was an idea that generated from our agency, Full Bars, that we pitched maximum effort and they loved. So the neat thing, and, you know, I get to be the conduit of like this awesome two agency dynamic is that we all are in the same sandbox. My, yeah. my team and my company absolutely knows what are the objectives? What are we solving for? What are the business needs? But we also have an agency partner who's an owner and they know all that too. So now you've got like teams rowing together and, there is no sort of like sacred cow, you know, we'll come up with ideas, we'll pitch them. They're like, nah, it's not for us. They'll come up with ideas, they'll pitch them to us, we're like, nah, it doesn't work right. But because there's this freedom and flexibility and fluidity between the teams, it seems to be really working well. And we get these amazing ideas that we get to execute and bring to market. Yeah. And, and before I ask you more about that, what I love about the 20-year uh, plan is that in some ways it kind of transcends marketing and advertising and, and it you you made a new product right it was it was almost like it, what what is it like i don't even know how you would describe that because you eventually created a a, a an ownable thing right i assume i can't i didn't i so, don't know if i saw that but was it you could do it just that day if you signed up that day you were able to take advantage of that so that is exactly right what we did was we created for bobby bonilla day look we created a marketing plan around it so it took us i don't even remember how long a month several weeks whatever but like when these opportunities come up we work internally a lot on slack and we have this slack channel that's like this big idea Slack channel. And it's not just marketing in it. It's engineering, it's product, it's QA, it's e-commerce. It's all the teams we typically need to bring something to market. And we pitch the idea in there and we're like, this is what we want to do. Can we pull it off? You know, teams get excited and they're like, absolutely. Then we have to build the commercial aspect of this because we can't, in our minds, we couldn't just say we were going to do it 
and then not have it available for purchase. And the coolest thing of this story is it was a 25-year plan. And I know that because uh, we dropped the price of the product to 100 bucks a year. So it was a $2,500 SKU. And, you know, the typical mint checkout is much lower <laughs> than $2,500. Right. So we had to like right. incorporate fraud and all these other groups because it's such a dynamic product. But we had, and look, we're people. So of course we have like a little, a little side bet going on how many of these are we going to sell that day? And I think the highest guess was three, you know, we're just yeah. like, nobody's going to buy this. We yeah. ended up selling like 145 of these plans in that one day. And none of us could believe it. But like, you know, we were advertising on ESPN in the morning. We had PR going around it. We dropped the spot and Ryan posted it on his social. And then there was a Mets game that night. So we bought like a roadblock in that game. And we saw sales really spike at the end of the day. And I'm reading the slacks all night long. And I'm like, this has to be a mistake. Are you kidding me? It ends up being at the time, the single highest grossing day of the entire website because That's we're still so cool. selling normal product, but then these monster yeah. transactions are coming through. And it was just so much fun that we don't let the fun stop though. So I think we've had one customer ask for a refund. You know, we put in the terms because we didn't think people were actually going to buy it. That if right. you buy it, like you can't ask for a refund. That's because we figured some people would check out just to see if it was allowed. I think we've right. lost one of the customers, but everybody yeah. else now on their anniversary or what we call a mintiversary gets a custom message from us. And I think we call them the quarter century club or something like that. Like it's oh my very, very fun, but we don't want it just to end on the day. Like we continue to have fun with that idea. And look, a lot of people could look at this and go, uh, what a waste. You know, you're, you're making your creative team, right? design, and then produce no an email for just over a hundred customers. How no inefficient. I'm like, that's not, that's not why we're doing it. We're doing that. You're because, missing the point. Yeah, this is fun. And marketing is supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun doing your job, like, I don't want to be there. You know, I don't want to be doing yeah. that stuff. So yeah, it, it, it was truly incredible. Uh, the Bobby Bonilla plan. And, uh, you know, we actually had Bobby in the spot. Like we were able to get Bobby in the commercial and we had a picture of, Bo yeah. of Bobby. I can't remember if it was in social or on the website, but he's holding up the contract. And it was like an old C scroll that like went down in paper and rolled off the screen of the website. It was just yeah. so much fun to work on stuff like that. That's awesome. And so that kind of leads me to to sort of my my more pointed um, questions here, right? Is if you had to say, if you had to determine, like these are the 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 three tenets or the three principles that you think kind of allow you to work in the way that you do with your in house and your and your partner and and the you know the the whole kind of infrastructure. Um, what would those be, be? And I would, I'm going to, I'm going to start you off here because it sounds like, you know, marketing is meant to be fun. It sounds like that's, that's kind of your, maybe your top principle there. Would you agree with that? That it's like, let's have some fun. Let's make some noise. Fun. Uh, look, people who know me know that like, I'm a very hard worker, like nose to the grindstone, put in the time, but we have fun doing it every day, all day, even when it's hard, because you just want to get up in the morning and be excited about going to work. So fun is a principle, but like on the business side, if you're working, whether it's internal or external agency partners, notice I use the word partner. I didn't just, just say agency, right? Yeah. Or vendor. That's my, that's, oh my God. When people say that, you know, gosh, that drives me crazy. But yeah. The difference is that like we, so the way our organization is architected, um, we have a marketing leadership team. We also have the senior leadership team. But in our MLT, their in-house agency is in that, right? We have both our CD, Brian Jones, and our head of the agency, Tanya Song. They're in there every week. They know everything that's going on with the org and the brand and the business of the brand. So I manage not only the marketing of Mint Mobile, I'm also what we call the commercial owner. So I'm the single person responsible for the business of Mint Mobile. Wow. So I drive not only the creative side, but the efficacy side, like the, the health of the business. And I want 
full bars. I want my full bars leadership team knowing what the objectives are, knowing what the challenges are, knowing the business side intimately. Now, Ryan and George and the Max E team know that as well because they're owners of the business and I'm delivering them. Here's what's going on with the business. Here's how the business is performing. Here's the opportunities we're seeing. Here's how we're capitalizing on. Here's the challenges. Here's where we could use your help and things like that. So having a true partner, and I mean a true partner who you're honest with, you have to have accountability and culpability here where if things don't work, you're transparent enough and big enough as a person to say this didn't work, right? Failure as it is as important as success. It's sort of like the mediocrity in the middle where we see death, right? Like I'd rather fail miserably or succeed incredibly than just be this like wandering mindless area in the middle because you don't really learn anything there. Now, right. the trick is when we fail, we want to fail small, but like we want to win big. So yeah. you're imbalanced on that side, but having a partner, I'd say is another key tenet. And then if I could slide an easy third one in, it's that, and this is not to the creatives, maybe the creative directors, but certainly to the marketers. Don't fuck it up. Stop rounding the corners and just putting your fingerprints on things. Like so many times, and I have a whole presentation I do internally to both our brand marketing team and our in-house agency where it's like, do not add commentary unless it's going to add a meaningful result to the end product. So many people want to say they had this little piece of input or this little thing. Stop it. You're rounding the edges of a sharp <laughs> idea. Stop it. it yeah. Let, let's spend some time on this because it, it yeah, it's, uh, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I think some of it's got a, I imagine some of it's got to come from, right? There was, and I've referenced this before on the show. People are probably like, all right, dude, you've said this like three times. There was, there was a great article in The Onion. You know The Onion, the fake, the fake newspaper? Of course. And there was an article that was like, a uh, guy who says he's playing devil's advocate, really just an asshole, right? And it's like, well, just to play devil's advocate, right? And it's like, the guy's just an asshole. So there's probably a contingent of those guys. There's a contingent of people that are probably like, well, I better say something because I'm pretty highly paid. And if I don't say anything, people are going to think I'm not paying attention or doing my job. There's any number of these little, these little you know, reasons why people want to chime in. There's some people that love the sound of their own voice. But I agree. And I, and I love that you, it sounds like you, you beat people to the punch and say, like, we don't need that right now. You know, yeah, maybe we, there's an avenue for it later for constructive things, but not in that setting. Well, the, we do some things, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we do some things in conversation and some things written, but it's all purpose-driven. So for example, when we give, when there's a creative presentation, which happen every single day at our, at our company, right? There's, there's some rules of the road, if you will, in a creative presentation. The creatives always have to, like, ex before they kick off the, the showcase of work, they have to explain what the objective and the challenge was to the agency. Because if they can't articulate the objective and the challenge, how can the work deliver on it? So right. that's now that comes from the assignment being given to them, but they have to give it back. So that way, the people who are there understand that the creatives have a clear an understanding of what the assignment is. Um, I always tell the brand marketing team as well, we, we use something we call a CR, a creative request. I'm like, have your CR in hand so you can make sure that the objective and the deliverable is what you originally asked for. But the creatives present the work and they have to have a recommendation. I will stop the meeting if there's no creative reco. It's like, you cannot move on without the reco because this is you telling us what you believe the best solution is to this challenge. Then when we give feedback, we always start with the most junior person first, and then we let that feedback go up to the more senior folks. Because what I noticed in my career is that the minute the CMO speaks, everything else doesn't matter. And that's right. It's the anchor effect. Yeah. It's not fair to the people who are actually doing the work and they don't get to learn. And it also, the easier feedback is typically 
the earlier feedback. And we do have a construct. I won't go into it here. It's called Roses. I learned it from actually Brian Nickel, who was the CMO at Taco Bell, who became the CEO, who then became now the CEO of Chipotle. So like, this is a very well accomplished man. Um, and it's a really neat construct that, you know, gives people just an avenue on how to get feedback. And ROSE is an acronym for recommendation, overall gut reaction, strategy is it on, what are the executional elements, and then sort of like a summary of thoughts. But you don't have to deliver all of those in a presentation. You want, what we end up doing is we have the teams give feedback and it's just visceral and verbal, right? Just like we don't ask creative to design on the spot with us looking over their shoulder, Right? right. Give them the assignment. They get a chance to work on it. The brand marketing team or the direct to consumer team gives a visceral response according to that Rose's construct. Then we do what's called an OV, a one voice, where we collectively align on what are the things that are meaningful and are going to drive an enhancement to this creative we just saw that will solve the business challenges and provide that solution. When you do that and you don't have to do it that way. But what I have found is that architecture allows for everybody's voice to be heard. Um, you find really good nuggets of insight and you're able to sort of like eliminate confusion because of too much complexity in the feedback. And an OV is quite short, to be honest with you, because what ends up happening is whoever's running that particular assignment, whether it's the brand director, the VP of brand or e-commerce, whatever, they're looking at it and they know making the logo 5% bigger doesn't sell one more unit right. of products. But right. if the feedback is, I can't find the brand in right. the advertisement, and we think that's going to lead to a lack of clicks on this, well, that's meaningful feedback. So right. like, I find that it really helps develop our younger talent. It's very structured in a good way. I'm not like a process nerd, but it's structured in a good way. So that way, when it goes back to creative, they have clear direction on what needs to get revised. So two questions. I love the, the whole thing of starting with the most junior people, right? Because to your point, this is a great way for them to learn. Also, many of them haven't found their voice, right? They, they, may, be, they may be a little bit timid, they may, may be overwhelmed by some of the larger personalities in the room, right? And and by doing that, you're giving them permission, you're giving them a way to speak up, because a lot of times those people go unheard, mm -hmm. and a lot of times they have great ideas, you know? They're looking at it at a, in a different way. They might, be, they might be the target of the spot, right, in terms of like a demographic or psychographic, and we don't hear from them because it's usually you know, the loudest voices in the room or the, or the biggest voice or the CMO or, you know, the ECD or whatever. Absolutely. And look, I, I started my career as an account coordinator in an agency. You know, I was not allowed to speak in meetings. Like that's just how it was when I grew up. And, you yeah. know, it took a long time to really develop that skill of how to work with creatives properly because feedback is in essence, you working with the agency right? It's just one particular way you work with them. And like I said, I've always been a big fan of creative. So I used to, we had a two floor office. I used to walk down to the creative department and just go hang with them because they were really fun. Um, but you learn how to work with them and you learn to understand and appreciate things like how much heart and soul right. and mind power creatives put into these solutions. This is not this is not the drive through where you just put in your order and you like, this is the way I want it. Just give it to me. It's like, no, 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 no. There's some real material thought in here. And the earlier you can learn how to work with them, because I hope everybody who comes to our company stays for several years and develops a career here. And I want to help grow them, right? Like we want that here. So it's important they're getting trained on one of the most critical pieces of our job, which is creating solutions to problems. We just do it through the agency. Um, my second question was about the one voice, because if I'm hearing you correctly, right, because I, I, I love I love the visual. I even I'm, I'm a very visual person. So I'm, a, I'm even looking at the at the V. Right. So in your mind, the, the, the feedback starts very broad, but then it starts with lots of people, but then it starts to narrow. 
And it, it, are you saying that it comes down to there's a couple of key decision makers that are saying, okay, that feedback's valid, this not so much, we're going to do this, we're going to change that, that it starts to come down to one, two, or three people that are making the final call on what's being tweaked or not tweaked or what's going through or what's not going through? Is that what you mean by one voice? Um, yeah, yes and no. So let me, I think the best way to articulate it is through an example. So we okay. just had a big creative review uh, this week. It's for a huge, important program we have coming up. And I hate big meetings. So to have a meeting with like 10 or 12 people for me is like starting to get antsy. But right. it was such a big program. We needed all the parties in there, um, junior to senior. Now, what happens is when we're giving verbal feedback, reacting to it, we might go, we had like 12 or 14 concepts because the creative team got real excited about what we were doing. So much more than the standard, you've got three options, pick one. So yeah. we're looking at it and we're giving feedback on what's working and what's not working, even if it's not going to be a concept selected. Because what mm. we want to do is we want to value the fact that the creative team put in this effort and it made it through the CD to us wow. and we're seeing it. We want to make sure they know, hey, we like this. This is a really interesting approach, but this might be too big a deviation from X, right? Or it's Y. But I want them to hear that, right? Like yeah. that, that's important. So that way you know, okay, if I'm going to design a solution again, I know not to push as hard over here, or maybe I'm going to push that hard again, but I'm going to bring in a different brand ID or a brand solution for this component, and that'll make sense. We want them to have all the feedback because all the work yeah. that is presented is valid. When it comes to an OV, it will typically start. So because we run an e-commerce business, I get the beauty of being able to choose more than one thing. I get to test in real time performance. So in this wow. particular instance, we said, look, we're choosing two concepts. It's concept one and it's concept seven. Okay. And the reason we're choosing concept one is these reasons. The reason we're choosing seven is these reasons. Now we need some revisions to these concepts. I remember specifically this because this came from the most junior person on the team. We need to take the mascot and change the mascot to this many number of pixels. And I'm reading it and I'm going, gosh, that's very, very tactical feedback. And then it said, because when the website loads and you switch from desktop to mobile, this dynamic happens. And if it's within these space constraints, it'll load smoother for the user. I'm like, well, holy wow. shit. I didn't even know that. Like, like, I just learned something. But then in concept seven, we're going to do this, this, and this. So we don't even include all the other work, right? So it's very concise and very tight. So I think of the OV as the stilled down actionable feedback the creative team needs to deliver. It's not the senior people deciding what goes in the OV. It's the team collective where we might meet for 10 minutes, two days after the initial presentation, after we've had the time to look at it and hash out what we're thinking. That's it. Like, But what it does is it leads to Here's our feedback. Oh, and then there's this one more thing. Oh, but wait, Aaron, your feedback conflicts with Jeff. And how do we resolve that? No, 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 no. We on this side have collectively agreed that these are the revisions we're looking for because we think this makes the best solution. So it really, it, it creates like a ton of efficiency within the agency, which I love because I go nuts when I start hearing like R4, R5, R6. I'm like, why are we at round six? This is right. unacceptable. What's happening? And they're like, well, somebody changed the program objectives in round three. And then I know go who to go find and fix that, yeah. you know? Or, well, we got conflicting feedback between round three and round four. I'm like, wait, what? I know how to go fix that. But we found that this OV construct eliminates that because it forces alignment before yeah. it goes back to the agency. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. Um, I wanted to circle back to to kind of your second point, which you kind of described as partnership. But uh, you also in the partnership, you also talked a lot about information sharing, right, and making sure that everybody is aware of the objectives of any kind of like uh, issues, right? You'd mentioned transparency, right? How big is just 
openness and communication and, and all that. Can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for the most part, my entire career, I have always tried to share performance with the creative team, right? It's just something I think they deserve to know. And if you're on the account team, the strategy team, you want to know is what we're doing effective. At this company, since we're you know all in-house, we do things like host sessions where, first off, everything we do, we measure. There isn't a single thing we do that we don't measure. That includes broadcast. So we're constantly sharing with our broadcast partners, Maximum Effort, and our internal teams, how the television is performing. And we use a very simple model um, with our TV buying agency to measure efficacy of spots. It's basically how much traffic does a spot airing run? Now, it may not be absolute, it may not be perfect, but because we're consistent in the way we measure, we can tell if things are hitting or not working. And then we have some super freak, just super freak smarties on our team who are able to look at a hundred ads and start dissecting what strategic components or tactical components of the ads lead to a more efficacy. And then I share that with the team, but I go, look, I'm sharing this with you, not to Frankenstein, the most effective ad, but that right. I want you to know opening with this language tends to give us higher recall landing like this, this, that, you know, these various things like this particular execution was very confusing, right? So yeah. too many things, but I guess my general point is that we are not afraid to share with the teams if the work is working or not. And what I have found is that most creatives have never seen anything like this before. Yeah, They love it. They're like, I don't care if my work is not performing. The fact that I get to hear it's not performing and then I get to see what is performing changes how I design or it changes how I write because I people here typically are they want to win, right? Like we've got a fairly yeah. competitive group of folks who want to see Mint win. They want to see their work win. So we give them all the data and they can take with it what they will. And look, we, like I said, we measure everything. We measure email headlines to existing customers, you know, open rates on emails to the existing customers, things like that. And when the creative team starts We've been hiring so many people when they start to get a feel for the brand and they get a really good tight grasp of the language. I'm talking not just copy, but design language as well. They really tune that thing up. And that's how we're able to have incredibly high performing work because we'll test, we'll test, we'll test, we'll test. And we'll always be optimizing to the better performing ad unit or piece of creative. And the creatives want theirs to be, you know, if it's a champion and a challenger, they always want to be the champion and they always want to put out a challenger to their own work so that way they can remain the champion, which is pretty rad and it's really fun. And we embrace it. We recognize, you know, those who are crushing it. Yeah. That's cool. What a what a what a cool place to work, it sounds like. What what else? Any any other kind of last things that you can think of that that are really you think have really helped you you guys thrive in your your agencies and your internal agency and just the marketing group in general? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. One, I love to hire smart. Um, I have always tried to hire people smarter than me. It's 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 not people get defensive if they hire smart people and they're coming after your job. That's not how it works. I think if you're a person who can hire and cultivate top tier talent that is where you should focus. Um, it's the best use of your resource. If you're a creative director, hire people who are better than you. Um, who cares if they're coming for your job? Cause guess what? There's an ECD job above that. Eventually if the thing keeps growing, um, I, I think that's really important. I think listening is really important. I mean, we've been talking back and forth a lot here, but we get into these meetings and I really want to hear from the team. I ask the question why a ton. Why did you do yeah. it this way? Why are you looking at it this way? Um, and I, I, I think those are really big. I'll tell you the thing that served me well here, once you realize how good the creative is, and I've been around this multiple times in my career, stop, hold the comment in, 
right? Like I, I tell this story all the time. One of the first pieces of work we did with Maximum Effort was a campaign called Ryan and, and it was just Ryan and people. We did yeah. um, Ryan and Wasim and Wasim. The first, the first customer, right? One of the first customers we ever had. Yeah. Also, one of the highest performing ads we have ever produced in the history of this company. And it's yeah. just Ryan talking to a dude and yeah. him going, so you're not going to do anything to it, right? And he's like, no. He's like, perfect. You know, like that's yeah. the ad. It was but, so charming. It was just so charming and simple and 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 just so like so cool that you know, that you would reach out to your first customer. I mean, it just, it just, there was something very simple and, and special about it. But in that ad package was a celebrity. And I remember getting the script and it was Ryan and Rick and the Rick is Rick Moranis. And if you look at oh, a yeah. brand like ours, Mint Mobile, which is a young brand that is digital centric, right? It's built for a generation that really embraces the digital ecosystem, wants to buy online, transact online. Rick Moranis is not the first name that comes to mind when you think of celebrity that's going to like be embraced by the community. And I was looking at that script and I had a moment where I'm like, are we really going to put Rick Moranis? Now, I love Rick because... Ghostbusters fan, Little Shop of Horrors right. fan, but he had right. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, these are movies I grew up with. I mean, I don't even think they ever made them in HD, right? So am, am, am I going to produce a television spot with Rick Moranis in it when Rick hadn't worked broadly in the entertainment industry for 20 years? Yeah. And I said to myself, are you going to be the person who tells George and Ryan no that their creative genius is wrong here. And I'm like, hell no. Let's see what happens. I'm in. I'm full in. Let's do it. Well, we did it. And it ended up being like a smash hit. Smash hit. Like everybody was writing about it. The press went nuts. Rick Moranis comes back, you know, in a Mint Mobile ad. We see, of course, all the ad trade pubs are talking about it. The yeah. general market. Like everybody embraced it. And I'm like... Oh my God, I can't believe I, w I, I was contemplating being the guy who said no to this brilliant idea. So that lesson sits heavy with me, you know, and I, yeah. I talk about it a lot to my team. It's like, if you're going to have feedback, make sure it's meaningful and it's okay to take risk. That is maybe a tenant we didn't talk about, but yeah. I think is so, so, so key, Jaime, and that is accept risk. So I use risk and failure interchangeably. If you're, I tell my team all the time, if we're not failing, we're not trying hard right. enough. We're not taking enough yeah. risk. So we embrace failure here. We fail fast, smart, cheap, and forward, which is great because you're really just learning. Um, but I will, I will get not upset, but I will get ornery and I will start challenging folks if I see us moving to the middle. I hate that. And I'm like, look, yeah. this is a brand that wants to be on the edge. We're in the outlaw archetype. We're going to cut you, you know, shiv them with a knife, cut them with a smile. Like we're going to have fun doing it. We've got a light brand, but we're going to push the envelope. And I think that creatives need to do that. Now, yeah. if you're on a brand that's very safe, it's very difficult to do, but maybe there's a way to do it, right? And I would always tell creatives, look, Deliver the assignment as it was asked, right? You've got to deliver on the brief or the CR, whatever you're using. But don't be afraid to bring an extra idea that is transformative. If you're passionate about it, that's why I go into meetings and we don't look at three concepts. We look at seven. We do this thing called jump ball where anyone in the agency can participate in creative submission. We got wow. like 140 ad submissions for a big banner ad campaign we're doing. I looked at it and I was like, how are we going to get through all this work? And they're like, this is what happens yeah. when you let people have freedom. I'm like, I love it. We got, I think, so my head of media said something like, we got two years worth of work in four weeks. I cannot believe this. I love jump ball. Like, like I'm like, yeah, these are cool. This is the way to do it. So, I mean, embrace failure, awesome. push for the edge and have fun doing it. 
Well, this has been this is definitely worth the wait. I I must say, and I think we're going to add another uh, accolade onto your. You're going to have to get some more hats printed because I feel like. <laughs> I feel like what you have described is is a place that where you, you you know there's a lot of empathy there's a lot of uh fun there's a lot of sort of like I guess you know not to get too uh, you know too hoity toity here but emotional intelligence almost right there's a lot about communication about a lot about listening a lot about transparency so we're going to add that to your uh, to your monikers there maybe it's like uh emotional uh, intelligence genius or something like that. So congratulations, because it sounds like a phenomenal place to be. Well, look, I'll close with this. We're hiring, right? Like when I got here, the marketing team was seven. We're at like 150 now, and we're always looking for high quality folks. We've got some really like marquee positions open, even even a design creative director. Like hopefully the creative director is listening. Please like go to our career page. Like we would love to have more top tier talent at this company. Well, there you go. You you heard it here first, folks. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. Um, let's keep in touch. I look forward to uh, kind of keeping our conversation going. And yeah, I, I wish you continued success. I'm rooting for, for you guys. It's just such a cool brand and uh, you're doing great stuff. So uh, kudos to you and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Jaime. It was my pleasure. And there you have it, folks, another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the Books. Thanks to my very special guest, Aaron North. That was an awesome episode. Uh, For those of you that work in sort of that multi-agency environment, I hope you got a lot out of that. I think Aaron's perfected that workflow and figuring out who does what, which can be very, very tricky. So I think that's a testament to his leadership and his ability to really bring everybody together. So congrats to you, Aaron North, the marketing genius. All right, uh, pick up the book. What's the big idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. If you're on the path to becoming a creative director, you want to know what the job really is about. You want to hear from dozens of creative directors from all over the world about this role. Pick up this book. It's available on Amazon. It's also available on Audible. All right, folks, until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya. Make